The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. In November of 2017, 18 months after the wildfire in Fort McMurray, two school boards in Fort McMurray asked all students in grade 7 through grade 12 to complete a comprehensive survey of their mental health. Well, the survey results have been released, and it shows that 37% report experiencing, uh, that the 37% are reporting experiencing symptoms associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. A University of Alberta psychiatry professor Peter Silverstone co authored the study. He joins us now. Dr. Silverstone, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Now, had there been studies on the effect of disasters on youth done before? Yes, uh, not as large as this and not as long after. Uh, There's only one study that's previously done uh, with fires. That was a Greek study from 2012. And that showed after six months or quite soon after the fire, about 28, 29% of kids had some problems with PTSD-like symptoms. So we were expecting maybe in the low 20s, Mm. uh, 18 months. And so we were really surprised when we saw these numbers because this this is not a good number to see. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, You know, that 37% and, you know, how surprising was that? I mean, part of me would think that it's it's not surprising at all given what they you know what they went through and i remember seeing the video of the you know you remember seeing the video of the the flames all over the place the traffic jams getting out part of me says i i almost expected it to be higher um so if uh, so if i i expect that if we'd seen them after three months you'd have been right uh but usually 18 months later and in fact we've done some follow-up suggesting this goes on maybe for two or three years afterwards this number is a very very high number and one of the interesting findings that complete surprised us as well was that people who weren't in Fort McMurray at the time Mm -hmm. of the fire many of the kids who moved there afterwards also started to have much higher rates of psychological distress including probable PTSD symptoms and uh, that really just speaks to the impact on the community as a whole and so it's really quite troubling. Yeah, and and that was um, that was uh, a surprise. Well, it was surprising, but again, if you're watching that video on television, you're hearing the radio reports, and you're listening to it, and knowing that that was your hometown. Now, when you were looking at symptoms, what symptoms were you looking at? So we were looking at symptoms of depression, sadness, lack of motivation. We were looking at poor concentration, looking at anxiety, looking at sleep, mm-hmm. looking at the fact that a lot of these people get what we call hypervigilance, so very jumpy, a small sound will startle them, and so on. Uh, flashbacks, uh, very typical symptoms of PTSD. And uh, the other thing to note is that when we talk about this, we're not just talking about a few symptoms or, or mild levels. These kids have very significant level of uh, problem symptomatology and and it is worrying how many of them have this level of problem when i read through the study and then how it was broken down some really interesting um yeah yeah you know how how it was broken down i I guess i should say and you talk about um the kids who were there uh, versus the kids who weren't there during the fire tell us about the differences between the students who who lost their homes and those who didn't well as as you rightly said it'll come as no surprise to anybody that kids who lost their home, kids who drove through the worst of the fire, kids who'd seen other things did have higher rates. So that was what we'd expect. Uh, As I say, the other thing, though, is that it wasn't just those kids that were impacted. Pretty much uh, over half of all students had 
one of the major psychiatric mm-hmm. problems, uh, including alcohol or substance abuse, uh, as well as depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So these have really big impacts on kids. Uh, and I accept, you know, seeing a lot of trauma, you'd expect something, but not this long after. Most of us thought, well, okay, kids will normalize, they're resilient, they'll be able to cope. In fact, they might even get faster. Oh, sorry, they might get better even faster than the adults, but that doesn't seem to be what's happening. But Dr. Silverstone, isn't, you know, PTSD and PTSD-like symptoms from what I understand with, you know, um, my involvement with the military community, um, PST, PTSD symptoms can last for a very, very long time. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's two parts. I do a lot of research with PTSD and police and trying to reduce PTSD in, in first responder populations because it's a real problem. So yeah. you're absolutely right. But the other thing to think about with kids is that this is at the stage of brain development. Mm. And we have other evidence, we think, that uh, shows people who experience these kind of symptoms when young can actually change the way their brain develops. So it's kind of a double whammy. And so we really need to be uh, on top of this. And being aware is obviously the first step. I have to say that the school boards have been fantastic. They've been very motivated to understand the changes and and work with us to design programs to try and address this. You talk about the impacts on on the brain, uh, Dr. Silverstone. Then then what needs to be done uh, for these kids who are going through these symptoms so many months after the fire what what needs to be done what should be done what is being done so what should be done is putting in place appropriate programs and recognizing that long-term fairly intensive programs need to be put in place the school boards and working with red cross did put in a lot of shorter term measures hoping that would help unfortunately our data seems to suggest that we do need longer term programs so we've now worked with the school boards and we're designing a program based upon work we and others have done elsewhere that we're hoping to start putting in place in 2020 so i think the first part is unless we know what the size of the problem is we really don't know how to address it and what we are hoping to do is now say well okay we know this is the problem Let's design appropriate programs and let's see if they work. And if they work, then we can say, okay, now we need funding to keep this going longer. Uh, Dr. Silverstone, is there is there a is there a difference in the way that you handle or, or treat um, kids, youth with PTSD, PTSD symptoms than you would adults? Yes, uh, much of the adult work is based on a technique called EMDR, based on biofeedback. Uh, for the kids, I think there are other ways to increase resiliency, which seems to help PTSD. Uh, I work with kids, or I, I work with programs that help kids with lots of different traumas, including a, there's a fabulous charity in town called Little Warriors that helps yeah. children traumatized by child sex abuse, and, and we work with them as well. And so the goal is to say, how can you best help kids, and how can you best change those trajectories? And I think what we're finding is there are specific techniques that seem to work really well with kids, and we need to put those in place place and get those widely adopted. I know the uh, the Edmonton Garrison Military Family Resource Center implemented a program a number of years ago called I-STEP that, that helped um, children of, of military members with OSIs or PTSD um, learn how to deal with, um, with those symptoms, deal with their parents' symptoms, and it's been a very successful program. Did you, in this study at all, look at, um, you know, the, the parent-child um, relationship and if the parent was, was uh, you know, suffering any of these symptoms and how that was impacting the kids at all? 
that's a two really good questions. First of all, just for the viewers who don't know, OSI is occupational stress injury, uh, which is often thought of as a slightly milder form of post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. And you're absolutely right, that that uh, that is linked. I have a series of colleagues who are looking at what is happening to the adults in this community, and mm-hmm. I think we're all aware and perhaps not surprised <laughs> that there is also a, a large number of problems uh, for the adults in this community, and, and that's you know something that we see very widely in Alberta now, which is made worse by the economic situation. So it's almost a double uh, problem there. So yes, it, it's a multi-generational thing. Your suggestions about how best to deal with this and, and looking at this from a family-based approach is absolutely, I think, the route to go. And we are doing that with some other areas. In terms of this specific study, I think the key takeaways are Firstly, how severe and how common kids have PTSD-like symptoms and other psychological symptoms a long time after the fire. Mm. And secondly, how the changes in the community impact kids who weren't even there at the time of the fire. Uh, and that, that's not a good that's not a good sign. You touched on resiliency earlier and you talked about resiliency in this study. How do you measure resiliency and, and, and uh, the impact of that? So I keep saying these are good questions, but they're really interesting questions. Uh, the, there are scales for resiliency. We actually have a very well-validated and proven measure of resiliency. And there's lots of questions that are all detailed in the publication about what we actually ask the kids, how well they feel supported, what's going on in their schools, how well they feel family values. And then, of course, lots of other linked things, depression, self-esteem, quality of life, all these other things we measured. And what we know from a lot of resiliency studies is that there are techniques to improve resiliency in kids. The program we're putting in place is a school-based program. It'll take place during normal lesson time, which is great. And between eight and 12 separate lessons, uh, the kids will get to try and help them address, recognize, and learn new tools to deal with stresses that they have. And what we hope and, and believe from other work is that these generalize. It's not just the PTSD and the fire, but by increasing their resiliency, you, you help them deal with all the other stresses they're going, going through. So if you have these programs, or you put those programs in place now, were, were there some kids in this study that um, said that they weren't affected by it at all? So there are a number of kids who uh, scored very low. There's no question. This did not affect everybody. Hmm. Uh, and when we looked at the relationship between resiliency and who did well, again, it'll come as no surprise that the kids who were most resilient hmm. did best. Hmm. Uh, so there's, there's certainly evidence there. One thing we didn't do is obviously we hadn't screened the, the population, so we hadn't gone to schools before the fire and said, okay, this is the change in, the, in this child. And we also can't point to an individual and say, okay, this child does that, because we only got anonymized data. We didn't actually know the details of the kids themselves. The schools do, but we don't. And so we can't say, okay, this child has this. So we're not able to say, well, this child experienced this, and this is what happened to their grades. But we really believe from lots of other evidence that these have quite profound effects. How um, how can the schools, you talk about the programs put in place. I mean, you, you've had kids from grade 7 to grade 12. You talk about programs being put in place and the need to have these programs put in place that are going to support these kids through this um, you know is there, is there the opportunity to, to to measure the kids that are in grade seven you know uh, five years down the road to see uh, what that looks like because I'm curious to know if you expect to see these symptoms um, two years down the road five years down the road ten years down the road is this a, is this a, a lifetime thing 
So uh, from the research we're doing so far, I'm going to do the two-year follow-up, or it'll be three and a half years after the fire follow-up in November, and then we'll do some more kids uh, the following year. So we will have pretty close to four years data on some of the wow. kids, so we will be able to talk to that fairly soon. Uh, do I think it's lifelong? Uh, no, but I do know that there is a greater risk if this is not addressed because, as I say, the brain changes that occur in regions of the brain, hippocampus and amygdala are the ones we focus on, uh, can be long-lasting. And other research we've done suggests that these changes can last for years or even decades. So it's, it's a pretty important thing to address. You know, Dr. Silverstone, uh, just, you know, a final comment uh, before I go. I mean, it was, uh, I was on air that day that we started getting the texts coming in saying, yeah, Fort McMurray's on fire. And I remember responding back, what do you mean Fort McMurray's on fire? And they're like, no, Fort McMurray is on fire. Um, and I, I will, I will never, for, I will never forget that day. And I will never forget the weeks that followed uh, afterwards. And it was absolutely awful for those 80,000 people that had to flee Fort McMurray. Um, but it is interesting to see this information, this this uh, study being done. Um, and, you know, if there's a little bit of good that uh, that came out of this, I think this study is, is a part of that because we can see how it can help other children who have gone through disaster situations in the future. Thank you. And I would just like to comment on that and say the generosity of Albertans overwhelmed me. I remember that day very, very vividly. And secondly, uh, sadly, I don't think we've seen the last environmental disaster. Mm. So the more information we have to help kids go through it, I think the better. Dr. Silverstone, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thank you.